it's taken a team effort. Yep. Uh, you know, and I think we couldn't do it without them. And, you know, once we sort of owned it and said there's no more, you know, there's no excuses why we, if we don't like the platform, let's fix it. Right. If we don't like the pricing, let's fix it. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of, you know, moving parts in this business and levers. There's nothing that's easy. I mean, you can sit out there and look at 20 different models. and It for, looks yeah, easy. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but, you know, I've got some friends. You know who they are that, you know, honestly came back and said, I never thought you guys would make it. Yeah. And it's great to see you thriving over 30 firms. Yeah. You know, to have a model. Closing on $4 billion in assets yeah. now. Yeah, and it's been fun. I mean, and we would have thought we'd had $4 billion in assets in the first year. Right. Honestly, we laughed about right. it. Like, we'll probably be at $100 billion within yeah. five years. We're an overnight success yeah. that took 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Welcome everyone to this episode of Kestra Private Wealth Services Out Loud, where we are amplifying the voices of financial advisors the world over. Welcome, Scott. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. I am your host. My name is Rob Bartenstein. I'm the CEO of Kestra Private Wealth Services. And my co-host is Scott Wilson, COO of Kestra Private Wealth Services. Uh, we are both longtime industry veterans. Uh, both had long and successful careers as financial advisors before meeting up in Southern California on the management side. And uh, I was at the regional level. Scott was running a large complex in Southern California. And along with a couple of other partners in 2010, 2011, we, uh, we went out on our own from Morgan Stanley, launched a firm called Washington Wealth Management, whose sole function was to recruit wirehouse advisors and set them up in... Um, business for themselves. We, uh, we've come a long way. Yeah, it's been, uh, been quite the ride. It's been a good run, hasn't it? Um, so I was just thinking about this before we came in here. You, do you realize how long you and I have been talking about doing a podcast? <laughs> we started this thing, what, nine years, nine, ten years ago. So. Ten, year, ten year anniversary this year. Yeah. So we've been talking about this for years, and now here we are, we're finally doing it. We finally know what we're talking about. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> So um, where do you think we should start? You know, probably the platform and sort of how we structured the platform and, and how we, you know, have morphed the business into what it is today. I think yeah. that's probably important. Well, let's talk about it at a high level and then we can dive into it um, as we go along. So for those that aren't familiar with Kester Private Wealth Services, our, our basic function, as I mentioned, was is to lift out um, wirehouse advisors or anybody who's in a captive W-2 situation. So. If you're an employee of a financial services firm and you want to go into business for yourself, we might be able to help. And what we really focus on and, and always have from the beginning are uh, four major pillars. So we handle um, all of the real estate needs for advisors. And that means that we go in and help you locate your ideal space. Um, we negotiate with the landlord on your behalf. We handle the, the tenant improvements, the negotiation of the lease terms. We also handle the build out with our project management team. Um, and then we pay the rent into perpetuity, right? We do. Um, the second big pillar. So we take all that off your plate. So, you know, it's like Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, Wells Fargo, UBS. You're, you're, you walk into the office every day, you turn on your lights and you turn on your computer and you go to work. And, and we're gonna provide that same infrastructure experience. And, and we do that now um, in offices all over the country. So 
The second big piece of that would be technology. Um, same kind of deal. We don't expect any of our advisors to be tech experts, and, and most of them aren't, although occasionally we do meet one. But um, it's our job to install and integrate all the technology that goes into an office, so laptops and desktops, the copier and the printer, the internet phone services, all that kind of stuff. We have a, a project management team and a tech support team that install, maintain, replace, repair, and service all that stuff. Um, and so, you know, again, the advisor doesn't have to worry about that. And that's, again, our expense. Uh, it's all on our, on our side of the ledger. The third big piece is, is the furniture, um, the equipment, the stuff, if you will. That's everything that goes into an office from the reception area all the way down to paper clips and paper cups. You've got conference rooms. You've got office, uh, you know, offices for advisors, furniture, um, shredded, coffee service, you name it. And um, we've installed it in conjunction with you, cons consulting with you as the advisor to make sure that um, you know, the style and everything fits what you're looking for. And then the last big piece is compliance, right? And, and so we run a centralized compliance model um, that really functions on a, a paperless office experience for the most part and really makes things very easy. Nobody in the advisor's team has to be licensed. Nobody has to be a compliance person. And when, when there is an audit um, with a regulator and somebody wants to come to your office, we fly someone from our compliance group out to sit down and represent you in the office. So that's really, I mean, that's the model. Th those are the four pillars that, that you and I talked about when we were first getting this thing off the ground. And, um, and you know, here we are 10 years later, more or less, still, still doing it. It's really worked out well. It's interesting. You know, we've gone from, what, one office back in 2010. Um, we're over 20 offices today in the mid-20s, opening three as we talk. Um, we're over 30 firms. So, you know, yep. we've done this a few times. And I think all of the items, when we sat on an airplane, when we were in our prior life at a wirehouse, we talked about the four pillars of things that we wanted to cover that we felt advisors wanted nothing to do with. Yeah. And we left the remainder on the side of the advisor to customize because at the wirehouse, there was always a bit of frustration that they were paying for a lot that they didn't use. And that's really the way we've tried to structure this um, on those four items. Let's get those items out of the way that take up a lot of your time and, and frankly, you don't want anything to do with and you don't have any expertise with. And then we'll leave the, uh, the customization of those products and services and tech to you uh, that you feel is more appropriate for your practice. Yeah, totally true. I mean, it's funny, you know, I, you, you were talking about that. It reminds me of something I used to say to advisors all the time and I realize I don't say it anymore, but back in the day when we were, I think still closer to the wirehouse, I used to say, yeah, you know, you're, you don't have to pay for helicopters and equity research sales and meds finance groups. And people, you know, people would be nodding their heads like, yeah, why am I paying for all that stuff? I don't, I don't use any of that. Um, but I, I kind of, it's been so, so long now, I almost forget that, you know, all the stuff that the wirehouses ask advisors to pay for um, that they don't use. So maybe I should walk through real quick. I mean, you, you, just to break down a couple of those items quickly, you know, we almost, what, 70,000 square feet now. Yeah. Uh, the, the big part of the first piece of it is is the lease. We take all that off your plate. You know, while you're working at the wirehouse, imagine if you had to try to pick out a location, you had to negotiate the space, you had to draw up the you know the the floor plans, negotiate the floor plans, get the build out done while you're still working at a wirehouse. We take all that off your plate. We'll pick a location where you want to be. Uh, we generally find ourselves in a market closer to your home, closer to your clients. 
versus the metro market. I mean, we're not in downtown St. Louis. We're in Chesterfield. Right. We're not in downtown Providence. We're out in Cran- you know, outside of town. Cranston. We're, yeah. You know, we're not in Salt Lake City. You know, we're out in Cottonwood in Provo. So, yep. you know, we're not in downtown L.A. We're in Calabasas. That works really well, and uh, people want it to where they can get with their clients and have good parking and, and a good service model. Secondly, you know, we are multi-custodian. We, um, we built this platform so that you had, like you talked about, the flexibility. We'll pick a tech stack that you can start with, right? But once you get going, if you want to, you know, change up your financial planning tools, we'll help you, you know, make sure that it's safe and secure for your clients, but we'll help you customize it. You talk about compliance, it's an important piece, but, you know, we don't have on-site OSJs. We do it all out of the home office, so there's no need for an office manager. Right. Um, and the furniture. You know, and, and the tech that we put in the hardware in the office to the Xerox copier, the shredded, we take all those items off your plate because, look, you know, when you and I were managing money, if I had to sit on hold for 30 minutes with Spectrum talking about the, you know, on hold about cable or internet working, the Xerox copier had a paper clip stuck in it, we take all that off your plate and hopefully can keep you on track. So that was the premise for the model. We sort of morphed some, certain parts of that as we matured in the business, but I think we still sort of try to get you to start there. Yeah, We'll help you get going, we'll help you launch, and then as you um, understand more about the business, as your business change, we'll help you adapt to that with whatever you know makes sense. And what you're talking about is really what we, when we say full service independence, that's what, that's what we mean, right? I mean, that's, that's really what we're talking about. Yeah, fully supported independence is another term they use. People sometimes ask you and I on these calls, like, what does that mean? You yeah. know? It's not just that we are going to run the business and you know from the the bills, we consult, we help you recruit, we live with you in perpetuity, and I think people forget what that means. Yeah, you know, stop stop there for just one second. How many people, how many firms did we help last year add, a, you know, like a generation two advisor or a junior advisor? I mean. Was it like six, five? Yeah, I mean, when you talk about the life cycle that you've developed of an advisor, that middle part, I mean, we have advisors that have been here 10 years now. Right. They're at a much different stage than somebody leaving Morgan Stanley today, right? Totally true. But last year, three or four of our firms specifically said, look, we need a generation two. We're in our mid-50s, maybe late 50s. We don't really have anybody on our squad. Um... We'd like to have choice when we retire. I'd like to sell it to a partner. You can sell it to, you know, Kestra. I can sell it outside. I'd rather keep the assets here and make it simple. We we helped a number of advisors um, find those folks. Sometimes they source them, but we help, you know, get them across the finish line, either with a little capital. It might be with real estate. Remember, when I build out an office, we're going to leave an extra two or three offices in there. So we build our model for growth. Every firm has said to us, look, my partner and I are coming over. We have one support staff. Right. We'll go out and get maybe 2,200 square feet instead of 1,500. We model that into our budget so that we want growth. Sometimes if they, you know, they may already have a team that they're, you know, that they're working with so we can build it out appropriately. But most people say, look, it's just my partner and I or myself, um, but we definitely are going to want to bring another team in. We build it out for two or three more offices, and it's using that 2,000 to 2,500 square foot range is where we settle out with uh, most of the teams that we have, which are in that one to $3 million of sort of revenue top line number. Exactly. That's And look, I, I know that when we started this, I mean, I, I kind of, I'll jokingly say like in 2010, 2011, we had no idea what we were doing. Now, we think that now, but at the time we were sure we knew how to do this, right? Otherwise we wouldn't have 
leapt into the void. But um, it's amazing what we didn't know. I mean, like we couldn't have predicted that 10 years down the road, although we probably should have predicted it, but that you'd be running basically a REIT as your second job. You know, like you said, 70,000 square feet around the country the hard way, you know, like 2,000 or so at a time. That's a, I mean, that's a big deal. And, and I know we talk about the, you know, the, the amount of work it takes for our team to administer all that stuff and the load that it, that it involves in terms of getting things built out and, and, um, and built up. And, you know, Kevin um, on our team, Kevin Foote, going to, um, going to those locations. And, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, he's flying around the country, getting offices set up. Megan Butters on our team doing the same thing. Serena Coke on our team, you know, being air traffic control and all that. Um, we probably couldn't have envisioned how big a deal or how big a lift all of that real estate would be. But honestly, I think if you look across the landscape in terms of this business, and there have been a lot of people that have come behind us and, and you know, created their own model of, of supported or semi-supported or just independence. I don't think anybody... Um, says to an advisor, hey, you can come be a 1099 business owner with your own name, your own logo, your own brand, your own signage. We'll set it all up for you, right? We'll, we'll put everything in place. So basically, it's like we're the hospital and you're the surgeon. All you need to do is come in and operate. You just come in and put your hands in people. And then, then anything else you want to do with your time after that is completely up to you. I'm not sure that any other, any other firm out there that's kind of doing what we're doing offers that sort of support on the real estate thing. I know there are, there are like permutations of it, but I don't think anybody is as committed to that as we are. And I think that's a big deal for us. I mean, it's hard work, but if you're an advisor with, you know, 20 years of experience sitting at any one of these firms, I think one of the biggest things you don't want to tackle is the economic commitment to a lease. And, you know, frankly, Worried you're going to get hosed because you don't really know what you don't know. So you go into a negotiation and all of a sudden, you know, you're getting your head handed to you by some landlord who just knows that you don't know the, the ins and outs. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think people realize when they get into this, it's more complicated than they thought. For instance, there's always a give up. There are, there are different people that, um, you know, sort of skirt around the issue of real estate. But most models want nothing to do with putting on their balance sheet 30 to 50 leases. And now we know why, right? Yeah, and we do. Yeah. And But I tell you, when you talk about payout, what you, you look at, our quality of our real estate build-out is top-notch. Absolutely. Now, there's always a give-up, and I tell people that. Like, the quality of your real estate, if you want to be in a type A building, class A, if you want to have the top-notch internet and cable, if you want to have the best equipment to scan and copy, if you want all the, you know, paper clips and you want the coffee and you want a refrigerator right and you want the right telecom equipment in the conference room and you want video conferencing or you want a, the right phone all those things matter yep. you can always go cheaper and less expensive we try to find a happy medium and say look we want high quality we want you to be proud of the office not that's not for everybody some people flat out are like look i'll, I'll work for my basement yeah I, you know and yeah, I, or my and, rec room or and whatever. economics are more important like yeah. they would rather um you know capture an extra few percent by going down the stream on quality of everything. And we don't, I mean, that's certainly fine for some businesses. Most of the people that are attracted to our model enjoy a top-notch office with the best <clears throat> infrastructure and then ongoing service. Like stuff comes up all the time. 
if you have something go wrong in the morning, you show up and the internet's down, you don't want to get a tech hotline at a firm where you right. leave a message, right? You call us. Exactly. And we're on it. So there's a lot to that real estate question, but I would just assure you before you go down that path, um, at least look at a model that takes that off your balance sheet, uh, at least deposit, furniture, tech. You know, we're probably putting 40, 50,000 bucks into these branches. And then the TI build up, Chicago, um, Bloomfield Hills, we're putting between 80 and 150,000 in TI improvements into some of these branches, right. which that's And that's where a, you can yeah. really, that's when you, as an inexperienced advisor coming into the thing for the first time, I think you'd really, you could do yourself a lot of harm in that situation. You're right. But, but let's let's stay on that topic for okay. a second, because like you opened 30 or so offices from Merrill, right, all across the West, and now we're closing in on the same number um, at, at uh, Private Wealth Services. So you've got a lot of, you know, um, successful uh, office openings under your belt. Let's talk about leasing just generally, because I think okay. there's a lot of confusion confusion around leasing. Um, and there might be advisors out there who are kind of just hearing us for the first time, um, just kind of do, beginning to do some due diligence. And that's a that's obviously, you know, it's a big deal. It's a daunting task. So why don't, let's break leasing down just very generically at a high level. Um, just talk about that for a minute, like the types of leases and sort of, you know, the relative pros and cons of each and what you need to sure. be aware of. So generally most of our um, leases that we negotiate are a modified gross lease of some fashion. I mean, you can have a triple net lease, you can have a modified gross lease, you can have a gross lease. Generally speaking, we try to take the guesswork out of it. Um, we want to have the type of lease that we have the most predictability. This is for us from an economic perspective. In a modified gross lease, you're responsible pretty much for everything except for annual increases over a base rate that is determined in the year that you start your lease for the right. um, costs to run and maintain the building. You'll have annual increases to the base, assuming that those costs go up. In Salt Lake City, where there's snow removal, those costs are gonna go up if it's a if it's a tough year, right? Yep. If you're opening up in Phoenix and it's electrical, there are costs to run the business. So most of us, most of our leases are modified gross lease. We want to know that whatever payment we're making has everything included. We That's just for us, that's our preference. But you can go into a triple net lease where you have a base rent, and then you're going to pay for all those other types of expenses that are additional CAMs that on an annual basis, you will write a separate check quarterly or annually for those expenses. Right. We would rather take the guesswork out of it and just do it on an, it basically comes out the same, but within that type of lease structure, modified gross, in my perspective, when you're running this type of business within a big organization of a big institutional building where you have 2,200 square feet and you're part of a 50,000 square foot building or 100 square thousand, yeah. I think it's best to go on that route. Yeah, and you just don't want to, you don't have to worry about the variability, right? You know, we just want to smooth yeah. it out. It's more predictable. <clears throat> uh, and then, you know, annually you're going to have your typical 3 to 5% uptick. Where people really get hit hard, Rob, is in the build out of the of the building. Yeah. There, There's only two ways to cover TIs. You know, if we're in Chicago and we just put 150,000 in that building, it had, it was the right bones of the building in the perfect location. It just wasn't structured correctly. Yep. And so, you know, we had to go into that building. We had to put in new lighting. We need to have rock. We wanted glass. We want an environment that you tell us you want. Most of the time we want an open, more structure, which is more, you know, sort of the norm today. It might be workstations that are open. It might be desks that our teams work from a, a trading desk. We'll structure it the way you want it. Kevin on our team then builds it out 
and shows the landlord what we want it to look like, then it goes to bid. When that bid comes back at 150000 you have to have the expertise to know what you're looking at. Right. Because if you don't understand if that price is effective or not or good, you can't fight back. We negotiate usually for over a month on these leases to make sure that we're protecting both the advisors because you know, they want to be there another 20 years. Right. They don't want to put themselves in a tough position because we're going to do five-year leases. And you know, typically, that's a nice medium between we don't want to go out 10 years because a lot changes. But we need to get in a lease where they give you enough TI. So in that situation, the TIs were about 80 grand. Okay, we had to eat the other 70 in some fashion, which then gets built into the lease price. And if it isn't structured appropriately, or you don't have the right term of lease, you're never going to get to a number because we try to structure. Most RAs want to run a four to six percent cost for their real estate. Yep. If you don't know what you're doing and you get stuck with a lease and you overbuild it, which we did initially in our career, yeah. we, we were doing five, 6,000 square foot buildings. Yeah, right? we did. Right? And we did. And, and we're, we're, and we're, and we're still trying to that. fill a couple of those, right? So leg into it is the key <laughs> yeah, there and yeah. put the right structure. That's really good. All that, all that is really good information. I'm sure people will find that helpful. So then there's tech. Yep. And so we have, uh, we have our team. We have the project management team uh, at Private Wealth Services. And we also have the tech support group in Austin, right? Yeah. And between those two groups, they really do handle everything for the advisor on the tech side, pretty much soup to nuts, right? You know, something I, I failed to mention, when we build out an office, we typically have three visits from our tech staff out to the, do an onsite to make sure where, where the outlet's going to be. Where's the tech room? What's the, you know, what type of wiring do we have to put into place? Let's make sure we have enough sort of outlets. Let's make sure in the conference room, the wires don't have to run from the wall that we're piping it through yeah. the cement, right? All that little stuff makes, want to make sure we have the right, you know, type of wiring to satisfy the highest quality of internet and cabling you can get so that we have high productivity. Well, and what you're talking about right though, what you're talking about is, is part of the hidden value, I think, of working with us in that an advisor gets the benefit of all the things we've done wrong right over the last 10 plus years even going back into our careers in the wirehouse so like all those mistakes that we've made that we realize after the fact like damn i wish we hadn't yeah. done it that way all of a sudden that's something, yeah that's something that that the new advisor coming out if they if they you know hire us in effect to do all this for them they're not going to even have to worry about that we're just not going to make the same mistake twice well if you're going to go do it yourself you got to hire that out right yeah you have to have a project manager and you know usually the project manager is the advisor mm -hmm. or if you outsource it Right, there's risk in outsourcing. Oh, you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, you might get out. The word might get out. The yeah. more people you involve in the work you're doing ahead of time, uh, puts your business at risk. Yeah, I, you know, from I, a confidentiality I, perspective. So absolutely, we build that up. But the, specifically the tech. The other thing is people forget that finding a good tech solution for ongoing tech support. Are you know you have to hire somebody. But well, we did this. Remember, <laughs> so when we were our own RIA before we got involved with Kestra, I mean, how many? third-party tech guys did we go through, right? Wow. Where, where it was like, this guy's the best. You know, he came so highly recommended. And then you you start to work with him and you realize like, yeah, oh, this isn't this isn't what I Well, you're never wanted. a big enough client to anybody. That's right. right? So, so true. we always found that they, they always sounded great out of the gates, but when we needed help in an emergency <clears throat> situation, we they just weren't there. So we solved that for our model. We have yeah. on-site tech support and we have our team um, plus you know, there's probably 30 to 40 people in the home office at Kestra that have their hands on our technology in some fashion. Fast forward to just purchasing the hardware now. We've learned a lot of hard lessons there as well. I mean, yeah. Serena 
um, will tell you that, you know, getting the right laptop, the right docking station, the right monitors, the right conference phone, you know, the right phone. Telephony is a big deal. You have to have good, you know, telephony to make sure that that's reliable. Because if you can't run your business and you don't spend the extra money to wire the technology so that your Internet's not going down, if you, any all the advisors can tell you, you're the most upset when you come in and your technology doesn't work. Well, it's, it, it's, it ruins your whole day. It's like someone chopped off yeah. your arm, yeah. right? I mean, you literally can't function nowadays um, without a, a really solid phone system and without a really fast internet connection. It's just those are the two absolute minimum, you know, bare minimum requirements you have to get business done. Yeah, and, you know, and we find that when people go out on their own, they skimp. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the areas they skimp on, you know, and, not thinking about it. You know, and I, and I also think that they skimp because it's risky, right? I mean, that's and that's one of the things that I think our model has been so good for advisors for. And what I mean is we can say to the advisor, look, here's what you're going to get in transition assistance from us. Here, we model all the economics via the side-by-side and the pro forma. They know exactly where they're going to stand in terms of a net um, in terms of cash flow, and it's almost always significantly better than where they stand today in their current environment. They're going to they're going to build equity in their business, right? So they're going to build wealth the way their wealthiest clients build wealth. They're they're going to have the opportunity to take advantage of all these things, and we're doing it in an environment that takes so much of the risk off the table. Like I would never say to an advisor, "Hey, um, moving to Kester Private Wealth Services involves no risk on your part." That wouldn't be that wouldn't be fair and it wouldn't be accurate, but it certainly takes a massive amount of the economic risk off the table because they don't have to worry about that lease deposit and paying that rent or the, the capital down to just acquire the technology that they would need to, to run that business successfully. We're taking all that off their plate and saying, look, we've done this dozens of times. We know how to do it. We're going to execute for you. We're going to do it in a timely, expeditious manner, and we're going to get you up and running really fast once you once you make that break. So it's not riskless because moving a book always involves a certain amount of risk, but our moves are successful. They're highly successful, and you don't need to worry about scrimping because we're going to build you, a, I mean, a really, really nice office environment. Um, and you know, for those that don't know, we don't have a cookie-cutter approach to this. All of our offices are different. You know, the, the one in, in Salt Lake looking up at Little Cottonwood looks completely different from the one in Providence um, in Cranston um, and, and everything else. They all, they all look different. They all have their own flair and their own style, which reflects the advisors that, that helped us to, um, to put them together and design them. But I think it's a big deal to be able to say to somebody, look, we're going to get you up in a first-class manner, and you can, you can at least encapsulate the risks that are involved, right? Yeah, I think what you're going to find, the people – when you're doing your due diligence, right, and you're looking at multiple channels, you're gonna there's gonna come a day where you're gonna say you have Kester Private Wealth, you've got other channels, you can set up your own RA, you can go direct to a model where you get a higher payout and you do it yourself. I think you have to honestly look in the mirror and say, the pre-work, do I have time to build out an office and right. do everything myself? Are you gonna do that at night yeah. after after you're done working all day? Well, a lot of people try. It's tough. It's tough. Most people don't do it well. Mm-hmm. So that's the first step. If you do decide um, post break, then you have to look and say, "Do I? I have enough. I have trouble enough setting up direct deposit and bill pay for my personal life. Do I want to run a business?" Right. Now, your second choice would be I can outsource and hire someone to do it. You can. Mm-hmm. There's a cost for that. So people don't model enough salary and support cost in 
when you're trying to get that magical net number you just talked about, yeah. there are so many variables. I think you have to pick people you trust that they know what they're doing that are going to get you out and set you up in an environment that you can move high net worth clients. And you only, you know, the advisor knows their practice. And if they, the, the people that are attracted to our model, I think believe that they have clientele that want to come into a comfortable environment that looks nice, that is well set up, and that they know every day they have somebody backing them with a team in San Diego mm-hmm. that are there full time to get problems off their plate. And um, that's what fully supported independence really is. I, I agree with you 100%. So I'm going to change gears just a little bit because I think people who are listening um, are going to kind of want to learn who you and I are, you know, at, at mm-hmm. arm's length where they don't have to go through the pain of actually meeting us, right? And they, and they can evaluate whether or not um, we might be um, a good fit for them. So um, I want to, st- I was going to start by saying, I'm not embarrassed to say I thought we were going to slam this thing into a mountain a few times in the early days. Um, but, but somehow we always figured it out. And when I was thinking about why that, why it's all worked, right? Um, you know, there's a little bit of luck, but it's not by any stretch of the imagination luck. Um, but I think, you know, when I, when I really tried to get down to the core of it, I think the reason that we've been able to be as successful as we have is because we have always erred on the side of putting the advisor first. Like we have, we have genuinely said we're going to, as former advisors, we are going to advocate for the advisor's interests and put the advisors first. And that that doesn't mean that we agree on everything, right? I mean, we we don't always agree on everything. We don't always, you and I don't always agree on everything. And we certainly don't always um, agree with advisors on everything. But um, I think we've demonstrated over the almost decade that we've been doing this, that we're here to serve them and that we'll do what's right, you know, to make sure that that they know that we're loyal to that idea. What do you think? Yeah, look, I think over the last 10 years that we've done this, we've learned a lot. And and the core premise of when you and I sat on that plane and we had two columns, the stuff, there's a lot we loved about a wirehouse. I mean, believe me, there are things that um, it's amazing. Well, how many times have you and I said, oh, that's why they did it that way? Yeah, of course. Like you figured this out along the way. But the one premise though that we did like is we felt like we needed to build a practice where the advisors never, you know, question our loyalty to support them. They own right. they own the practice, right? We are not um, we are not there to tell them what to do. We did that for a lot of years, you know. And there there were certain aspects of that that were awesome, but that part of it I don't miss. Um, you know, generally my nature is to be more accommodative on those fronts and to try to help yeah. people grow. And I think it is for you as well. Uh, we would rather build a business that people were on the same side of the table. And like you said, we always don't have all the answers, but you know what? It's okay to ask people, hey, what do you think? Because we, we're willing to pivot if there's a better way to do it. Right. You know, we have a small enough organization that we can pivot. We're part of a huge, big, well-capitalized firm, but we are a smaller, wholly owned subsidiary and they give us the latitude, and you have the ability to pivot when you think something maybe isn't economically, you know, correct. Yeah. And we've we've changed and said, hey, you know, you were right. This is something we need to fix. So I didn't have that luxury at a big wirehouse. I think when we started, um, you know, we, we did. And I think it changed over time. They took a lot of that power out of the, the uh, manager's hands. And I think we wanted to recreate some of that and put it back into the advisor's hands with a yeah. good partner. 
Yeah, I look, that's that's the truest statement of all. I mean, I think what brought us together was this idea that, you know, as former advisors, each of us, and you obviously had a very successful career as an advisor, as did I, um, it, we knew that those firms had forgotten because they weren't any longer run by anybody who'd ever sat in our seat. We knew they'd forgotten the importance of that advisor-client relationship. And that that's literally the thing that sits at the heart of all of this is the loyalty that the advisor has to the client and vice versa and the, and that working relationship that they have. That's what makes the all the rest of it possible. Um, and, and those firms had clearly lost sight of that. And we knew that we could or we believed that we could put together a business that would put that relationship back at the center of things. And I think we've successfully done that. I mean, you, I think if you talk to our advisors, and we'll be doing more of that on this podcast, but I think if you, if you talk to our advisors, that's what they're going to tell you. Like, hey, we don't always agree. Um, we don't always, you know, get, get to yes with each other. But I feel heard. I feel like um, if it's a jump ball, they kind of let it go in my favor. Um, and I feel taken care of and I feel supported and, and I feel believed in. And I know I've got advocates in, you know, in the uh, executive group at Private Wealth Services. I think that's the truth. Yeah, I, I agree. And there's no perfect model. I mean, every model, and we have some great competitors that do some things exceptionally well, right? Different than we are. It's just different. Yeah. We have our we have our vision of what we believe there are a large number of advisors that fit in. They want help. They want a high-quality um, team that understands what they had at the wirehouse and want to replicate the good stuff. And they understand that they're tired of being told what to do. They want to own their own firm, but they don't want to be, you know, have to pay the bills and run the business. And they want a partner that will look me in the eye and say, like, what do you think? Yeah. We'll ask you, what do you think? And if you think we should, we, we just got out of a four hour meeting where the senior executives came in and said, what do you think? Right. Here's what we're looking to do. And our advisors got to tell them. Yeah. And you know what? We're small enough. Yeah. to do that, yet we're, we have enough capital and um, resources that if we need to get a different technology or something that requires you know, an, you know, a significant amount of capital, we have the partners to do it. Right. When we started this firm, you know, think about it. Back in the day, we didn't have the capital. And I think when advisors look at their alternatives, right, there are some small startup RAs that were like us 10 years ago and you and I know what risks that were there. They didn't have the capital um, to withstand a bad market. Right. We're lucky now to have that, but there are disadvantages of being too big. And I think we as a firm of 20, you know, 200 advisors in totality with our channel, um, I think we're appropriately uh, in, a, in a good place that is not too big or not too small where people today are gonna say, are they gonna make it? Washington Wealth Management, people weren't sure we were gonna make it. Man, I'm telling right? you, that was, that, and that is the, <laughs> Wow, those days, those were scary days, they are. honestly. And the, and we've got some advisors that came aboard because they believed in us and they believed that we would find a way and they were rewarded for that, and as were we. But, man, when you talk about big events in our history, um, you know, look, all of us coming together as WWM was the first big one. Um, then, yeah, and, and all those guys that are no longer with us, they all contributed to the model in, in their own way, in some way. Um, they all help make it better, and they set us up for the run that, that we've been on. 
Um, but then we had a lot of bad luck, you know. I mean, Eric, Eric, uh, you know, our original um, economic backer, um, you know, died of brain cancer uh, two years in, and we were sort of like, okay, how are we get? What are we gonna do now? Yeah. You know. Um, and unfortunately, I think when we went on the road, and I mean, gosh, I think in 2013 we met with over 30 firms to see who could be a partner, and um, we were just lucky enough. To, to get in front of James Poor and his team at Kestra, then NFP. And, and they, you know, they were the only guys who said something like, well, tell us what you're looking for, because if we can't do it for you, then there's really no point in us. Like everybody else, remember, yeah. everybody else just wanted to do a deal. Oh, we'll buy it. We'll buy it. Like everybody else just wanted to print the trade. But those guys were like, hey, just tell us what it is that you think you really need, and if we can do it, we'll do it. And if we can't, we'll just say we can't. And I, that was the, to me, I know I came back from that first meeting and I said to you guys, I, you know, I think I've found the right people. And then we really had to, we had to dig in, but. We were lucky to get introduced to them. You know? We were, yeah. It was, it and, was kind of by chance. And, and all that, all that worked. And then um, we did the deal in 2014. And um, then we went through a little bit of a transitionary period. And then in, I think, I think for me and you, the business really began to take off as like our business in 2016. And, and it, it goes to something that my, my buddy, Sean Evangelista at, um, at 30 seconds out says, you know, no one is coming. It's up to us. Right. And we've got those shirts that we love to wear. Um, you know, when you and I decided, Hey, this is on us. Like we're not going to hire anybody else to be the recruiting person. We're not gonna hire somebody to do this or that. We're, it's me and you, and it's Serena. Um, and then later it was Kevin and then, and then Megan. But, but this is on us, it and we're gonna go get after it. And that, we, we, had to, we had to take a lot of kicks to the face to get to that point. Um, but when we decided that that's the way we were gonna do it, I think for me, and I don't know about you, but for me, I feel like everything about the business changed. I mean. Even I think even the legacy advisors who were already with us at that point noticed a difference in the way that we were executing. And, and all of a sudden, all the lessons, all the pain, all the blood, all the sweat and the tears. I mean, we, you know, it's no joke. We had to blood in on this thing. I mean, we, we earned it on that front. Um, but once we took the mantle up on ourselves and said, you know, like you, you were going to just own the platform. There's no better platform guy in the business than you. There's nobody that knows the wirehouse platform and the independent platform better than you do. I mean, that's just, I'm just being totally honest with you. So thank God that you were my partner in that deal. Um, and, and I'm going to go run point on growing the business. And so you put those two things together and I know we have tons of crossover on, on all that stuff, but to me, that's when things really changed and that's when the business really took off and it's been amazing. Yeah, well, look, I, it's very nice that you say that about, you know, comment about it. But we, we've had a, we won't forget the people that oh, started yeah. the business, if, you know, way back when that contributed, if it's Tony or John or yeah. Eric or whomever it might be, right? All those people contributed to it. And we have come, you know, if you talk to Julianne Lewis, who was really the first, She's firm first team in 2010, yeah. yep. you know, we came on in 11 ish. And, you know, there's a lot that's gone into it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm proud to say, though, that, you and I, with the help of Serena and our team, and really all the financial backers we've had with Kestra, NFP, Eric Natir, the people that really started the business, um, 
it's taken a team effort. Yep. Uh, you know, and I think we couldn't do it without them. And, you know, once we sort of owned it and said there's no more, you know, there's no excuses why we, if we don't like the platform, let's fix it. Right. If we don't like the pricing, let's fix it. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of, you know, moving parts in this business and levers. There's nothing that's easy. I mean, you can sit out there and look at 20 different models. and It for, looks yeah, easy. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but, you know, I've got some friends. You know who they are that, you know, honestly came back and said, I never thought you guys would make it. Yeah. And it's great to see you thriving over 30 firms. Yeah. You know, to have a model. Closing on $4 billion in assets yeah. now. Yeah, and it's been fun. I mean, and we would have thought we'd had $4 billion in assets in the first year. Right. Honestly, we laughed about right. it. Like, we'll probably be at $100 billion within yeah. five years. We're an overnight success yeah. that took 10 years. <laughs> yeah. But I would chuckle about it. I mean, and people, though, that are in the business know what we're talking about. Totally. Uh, it, it takes at $100 million at a time, which is sort of... Uh, a sweet spot to, to get into the business. Our teams are 100 to 400 million in assets, and these are good quality corner office people at the wirehouse yep. that are finally sick of it, and they trust that we'll help them. Yep. Because they don't want to step back. It's a big jump, and uh, we're going to take the risk off the table, like you said, as much as possible. But we got a great team, yep. and I'm proud of them. I mean, I'll tell you, if you when you interview, and you're going to interview a bunch of people through this process, I think you will find that. The likes of Serena uh, and what she does for us and with Kevin on the road with real estate and Megan, you know, with the business consulting and paying the bills and really just the coordination of running a business. Some of that stuff's not very glamorous. Right. I'll tell you. No, it's true. People that own a business, you and I are down there late at night doing stuff that we honestly probably wouldn't want to do all the time. But you know what? And first thing in the morning. Yeah, we're proud of it. Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about some of the highlights of the year, and, and we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up on this front, but just to echo what you said, the first thing that came to my mind was our team. Yeah. You know, the way the team has gelled so well, um, in particular since about 2016. But, man, Serena has – she's been with us since very close to the beginning. Um, and you know, so many deep relationships with so many advisors and their staff. I mean, she's, she's the glue. She's like air traffic control. And, uh, and Kevin, he's really become an expert in the project manage- management space, which has been invaluable. And Megan, you know, with the intellectual horsepower, and we're, we're still finding ways to leverage that. Yeah. Um, but I love her work, and she's been a great addition as the, the newest member to the team. And I know now we're, we're, you know, we're looking for another, another person to join the team. So that was the first thing on my list of highlights of the last year. I mean, the, the success of our advisors that are with us notwithstanding, which has been incredible. Um, the economic success and, and, the, and the, the media success, I mean, I think of Gary Baker getting featured in Money Magazine and, and some other things that have happened along the way. But 2019 has been a, it was a great year. Um, it followed on the heels of another great year in 2018. And 2020 is setting up to be our biggest year ever, potentially. And, and so I really feel like... Um, you know, thanks to your hard work and, and our team's hard work and all the advisors who, who are with us and support us. And, you know, they, they all contribute. That's what's so cool about about this firm. It's like it's our firm. We talk about it that way. It's it's all of us. And um, there's no us in them. And, and so it's really it's it's an honor to work with you. It's it's an honor to be a part of that whole thing. And, you know, I, I hope that uh, we've got many, many years of well, I appreciate continued that. success. Yeah. It's been fun. And you know what? When I don't know how, how many cents have we been to? Is this our sixth? Maybe not. Something like that. Yeah. You know, I see the number of people we have here now. I sit next to Keith at the meeting, and you know, Keith joined us, one of the first big teams in yeah. San Diego. And you know, these are teams that are proud to be here. 
this year we're going to have our first merger or buyout of two teams, which, you know, we have teams here long enough that are buying other firms now. Yep. And those are things we dreamed about. You know, we have people retiring. And people buying other buying books. businesses. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, that's all the fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you leave a wirehouse, you want to know that you're going somewhere that has the capital to be sustainable, uh, but also the expertise to help you get to retirement, bring your kids in the business. And we're doing that now. Yep. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I'm proud of, uh, of the folks that have entrusted their business and their families in us because this is a family um, and we want you know we want those folks to know that we appreciate the confidence they placed in us because you know there's a lot of, there's a number of options out there we're just one of them great firms but uh, I'm proud to be your partner as well and I'm glad we're able to to really uh, you know see our vision um, get implemented and, and we finally kind of got over that hump of you know 20 30 offices and firms yeah. so it's been great thanks man I appreciate that and it, you know it's the, the highest compliment I think either of us can, could get is when advisors, you know, agree to, to trust us um, with their careers and, and, you know, with their businesses and all that. And then they come back. And it doesn't matter when. It could be in the sixth month. It could be in the sixth year and say, this is the best decision I ever made. I mean, that there's no you can't put a price on how good that feels, you know, when somebody says that to you. Right. I mean, yeah. it's it's the best feeling in the world. And it, it makes it makes all the unglamorous late nights and plane trips and all that stuff it makes it all worth it it's just a great feeling and i i feel like you know we're doing something really good in the world we're doing something really good in the business and um i just look forward to continuing well, to do it it's been fun and we got a lot of years left so we're uh, we're only just you know we're maybe uh you know 10 years into a 30-year career yeah all right exactly and with that we will conclude podcast episode one um it's been a pleasure my partner here um scott wilson and Kestrel Private Wealth Services out loud. <laughs>